politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our liberties and protect our future. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for another terrific week of broadcast here at CR Podcast Blaze TV. It is Monday, May 10th. May 10th, by the way, was the day the Second Continental Congress met when they captured Fort Ticonderoga, and things looked inevitable that the war reached the point of no return. Where is our first Continental Congress? We need the meeting of the minds to get together and strategize what to do. We will be talking about strategy today, as well as more crime stories, COVID fascism, as always. But we do need a strategy And this show has become our Continental Congress, our get-together. We are gathering from across the nation thousands of people to work in these local teams, just like we had back then. The committees of correspondence got together state by state and tried to create some sort of coherent national movement with a national strategy. And that's what we're here to do, as always. Now, I'm starting off today with a really big headache. I don't know if it's just because I was outdoors the whole time doing mulching and trenching and all that stuff and just really sore, uh, but I got it all done and haven't gotten a chance to really work much over the weekend. I did a lot of family time, as I'm sure a lot of you did. I hope you had a terrific Mother's Day. Um, Still one of the good practices left in this country that hasn't quite been bastardized based on just uh, the traffic we saw yesterday, so that's a good thing. But when I did get back online, and I was looking at what was going on, my blood pressure just shot up again. I was like, man, you know, maybe I need to get a new job. Maybe I'll be happier if I'm ignorant like everyone else, and I don't understand the extent of the evil going on. Police are now enforcing rather than dismantling violent BLM roadblocks, menacing and attacking unassuming motorists that could just get lynched anywhere. If they try to defend themselves, they are the ones who are criminalized. In our sick, sadistic sadistic two-tier justice system, folks, I was the first to tell you this last year with the COVID fascism and police enforcing it. I do believe it is time we... Tell the left, you know what? You want to abolish the police? Let's do it. Call their bluff. Let's abolish them. They've already been abolished from the good that they can do. We may as well reap the benefits of preventing the tyranny of a police state. So we'll talk more about that. But as you listen to this show and your blood boils just like mine, your blood pressure goes up, what better way to calm yourself down at the end of the day than with a little sip of wine from our friends at conservativewine.com. Yes, it actually does exist, conservative wine. (laughs) Um, Down in Argentina, they grow wine up in the vineyards in the Andes at 9,000 feet. They make world-class 90-point wine there. Um, They're coming under attack, by the way, with the leftist uh, BLM version there literally burning and looting their ground. So you better snap these wines up while they are still available. They taste incredible. Um, 
obviously alone, but also with a barbecue. The notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather, and smoke are great with your best steak. And uh, I'm telling you, this is this is what calms me down. I usually have a little bit of wine or beer at the end of the night. Not too much. You don't want to become like the depressed folks that uh, are binging drugs and alcohol and gaining weight uh, because of the COVID fascism. But, you know, a little bit like anything in life is good for you. Today, the guys over at conservativewine.com just got another special shipment, and they want to share it with you, my beloved audience, 50% off shipping and the underlying underlying price. Again, conservativewine.com for the most delicious-tasting wine on planet Earth. All right, guys. So I saw like a bunch of these stories at once, and I wrote an article juxtapositioning all of them, as I usually do, because... You know, what we do here, it's not just a one-off story. It's putting together a continuity of observations to demonstrate the severity of what's going on and hopefully gleaning from there some lessons of what we can do going forward. So we have this case in Portland. I didn't talk about last week, and some of you might have seen this already, but it's worth delving into it just to understand what's going on in this country. Joe Hall. Your average Joe, literally, he had a handy, he's a former Marine handyman, was coming home from his business, driving on a street in North Portland, and suddenly he gets blocked by a militia. No, not a right-wing militia. BLM, Antifa, whatever these folks are, and they were open-carrying long arms, AKs, ARs, and this is the type of thing, you know, I used to have, uh, back when we were talking about doing a lot of foreign policy, like five, six years ago, I would have on a guy um, from a Catholic uh, organization who would go and, you know, help work with the um, Christian sects in northern Iraq and Syria. And he would talk about how, you know, they'd have to travel with AK-47s and, you know, you had to know where you're going so you didn't get stopped by some sort of ISIS sort like or Islamist uh, militia at a, check po- a checkpoint. We have that in America right now. Right now. You know, in Israel, they developed an app that's very popular now called Waze because of this, where citizens would just take a wrong turn. They'd wind up in, a, in an Arab village and their car would get surrounded. You had these horrible lynchings. In America, we all have that indelible image in our mind of what happened to Reginald Denny during the L.A. riots almost 30 years ago now. Well, here we are. This is happening everywhere, everywhere. You have flash mobs just prop up anywhere. It's not like there's one or two spots that are notorious. It could be anywhere. It could be on any commercial street, any major artery that you need to travel to. It could be on even in in, in a residential street. So basically, they started blocking his path, and he thought he hit someone or something because he heard a noise. Really, it was, I think, someone banging on the truck. It was his pickup truck. He got out of the pickup truck, and he pulled his 38 cal, and it looks like he pointed it at the low ready. Okay, he didn't. He made the mistake of not shooting. And these guys are really belligerent. Now, he made a mistake just strategically, and I don't mean to pick on him. He's, he's, he was really almost got killed. He's still in the hospital. 
but just as good advice. He didn't back himself up to the to the car itself, the truck. He was somewhat separated. So there was room behind him. That's a big mistake. You have to face if you're going to face off with a crowd with a gun, you you have to ensure no one can encircle you. And basically they got behind him, tackled him, um got a hold of his gun. Um, they did not shoot him. They beat him nearly to death. Uh, he has five broken ribs, a broken clavicle, I think broken vertebrae, um, a broken eye socket, and um, probably a collapsed, a partial collapsed lung, dislocated shoulder, and probably missing things. Uh, he A week later, he's still in the hospital. And no one came by. He had to call in it call in his own 911 call to get the police and an ambulance down there. When he finally had the police coming, their first question was, what did you do to agitate the crowd? What did you do to agitate the crowd? Okay? And basically, not a single BLM guy was arrested. To this day, I mean... You caused that much damage. No one was arrested on aggravated assault, much less attempted murder, and I doubt anyone is even being looked at. Mind you, they had multiple calls into 911 about what was going on, not just to him, but they were popping up in a few like locations that day, and nothing happened to them. Nothing happened. But here's the most important part of the story I want to get to. He was on with Lars Larson from his hospital bed on his radio show, and he said something very interesting. I mean, this guy, I don't know if he served in Vietnam or if he's younger than that when he was in the Marines, but, you know, why didn't he shoot? I mean, it was very clear that his life was in danger. And he said, I would have been prosecuted. That's what was going in his mind. You have these guys that could surround people, beat them, break his car, smash windows with impunity. They know they're not going to get arrested because indeed they didn't get arrested. To this day, they're not getting arrested. They never do. But if you defend yourself against them, you will be prosecuted. And he's not wrong. So that's really why he hesitated. You hesitate with a gun, that's it. You lose yourself. And by the way, just putting a plug here, there's only a few days left to sign up for our defense training together on May 30th. There's also a June 6th trip. Constitutioncoach.com with our buddies Rick Green at Patriot Academy at night. We study the Constitution during the day. We have the best two- and four-day handgun courses for 90% off the normal front sight uh, price there in Nevada. And this is some of the stuff you're going to learn. Um, how to diffuse or end a gunfight with confidence. And this is needed now more than ever. Now, I can't help you with the legal side. That we have to deal with in a political solution. But if you would rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6, you will learn good tactics. And it's very important. Uh, Again, I'll be there. We'll have a lot of fun together as we always do. So those of you who have not had a chance, remember, we're not going to have more of these trainings until the weather gets cooler um, 
in September, October. So this, this is your last chance before the summer to sign up at constitutioncoach.com. And the weather has been relatively cool. Like, I don't think we're going to get 100, 105 day, 105 degree weather. So this is this is really the time to sign up again, constitutioncoach.com. Um, but again, Joe Hall, I mean, I don't want to put him down. He could be, he had all the training, but he literally thought he would be prosecuted and he hesitated. But this is where we are in the country. This, this is why we need to change our tactics. Change our tactics. We need to fight to the bitter end. We need to fight. We need a cloward piven strategy. I want to talk about that a little bit later. But for now, this is why I believe what I do. You know, I got an email from a listener, and I'm sorry, I forget who you were. But if you're listening, you'll know exactly what I mean. Hey, Daniel, I hear all these conservatives saying violence is never the answer. But at what point is it no, no longer not the answer? If there's violence being done to us, if you're being beaten to within an inch of your life, are you going to take things off the table in terms of your options to evacuate yourself from near a certain death? And... I have no problem saying this openly. I believe we have passed the point of no return by a mile where we are justified under the Declaration of Independence to take up arms and overthrow this evil, evil, demented government that will literally defend and enforce the, the roadblocks of murderous thugs while preventing self-defense. It's just the problem is, how do you do it? It's not that I'm against it philosophically. It's just strategically, we are not strong enough to do that. At least not in a broad sense yet. And we certainly haven't exhausted all the political solutions. Most of them we haven't even tried. Because we don't even have a movement or, or a political party to fight for us. But believe me, this is exactly why I believe it's time we say, screw you. Let's abolish the police. Because you know what? You might say, all right, I'll stay out of Portland. But this is happening everywhere. There's now a viral video that was surfacing over the weekend from Plano, Texas. Not Dallas or Houston. Plano. Where BLM was blocking a major roadway on looked looked like a almost a highway. This big guy gets out of the car and like belligerently charges at them. You know, he shoves them. And good for him. He has the right to do that. There was this little Pee Wee Herman looking cop that was wearing like a mask that looked like it was covering his entire face outdoors too. And he escorts this guy back to his car and does nothing to clear, much less arrest, the checkpoint. Now we need to find out that cop's name and dox him. I'm sorry. Now it's time to change tactics. It's time to do what they do. You know, I've been talking about backing the blue before it was cool to do that. We've always talked about law enforcement. But I'm sorry, if all we're going to have law enforcement for at this point is to defend and protect the murderers, and, you know, right now, we're on our own. If you get caught in one of these things, you're on your own. The police aren't going to help you. The only thing they can do at this point is harm you and lock you up if you try to defend yourself. So you know what? Then let's abolish them. Which is why the left, it's a joke. They don't want to abolish them. They want to use them to enforce their new constitution. 
which is if you're of the right color and of the right political cause, either or, you have the right to someone else's life. But if you're white or you're a Trump supporter, you forfeit your own right to self-defense because that's what happened with this guy. So if you want to know what, what they did to agitate, so first of all, often it could be nothing. They just surround your car. In this case, he had a Trump bumper sticker. So you mean to tell me we live in a country where your political speech is no longer protected. You forfeit your life. Imagine if we had a scenario where someone had like a green or a pro-abortion or whatever or a Biden Democrat bumper sticker. And it was known that you go to certain areas or it could be even an area you're not predicting and couldn't envision it happening there. You get surrounded by a right-wing militia and you get beaten. And that's just what happens. Could you imagine the scenario? And by the way, they were shouting, you know, slurs at him, calling him a Nazi, because we know the racism is just on, is, there is systemic racism in this country. It's just on the other side. Can you imagine if you had a bunch of white, you know, militias taking a black guy out of his car, who had a, you know, because he had a Biden bumper sticker and beating him to within an inch of his life? Do you know what would happen to those people? They'd be in there for life. They'd be in the slammer for life. Maybe they'd create the death penalty just for them, even though they never use it in that situation when the person doesn't die. Stillwater, Minnesota. That was more of a residential neighborhood. It was right where he lived. He couldn't get home. They blocked his way. I forget the name of the guy. But police, so he got up out and started shoving them. Police handcuffed him and put him in the back of a cruiser. I don't know what ultimately happened to him. But again, he got detained, not the people blocking it. And police chief, Stillwater police chief, Brian Mueller, told a local reporter there they have a First Amendment right to be there. Without a permit, without advance notice, they could dangerously block and menace motorists. They have a right to be there. So first, I just want to note that this is something with our Liberty Strike Force teams we are going to push in every state we can the toughest legislation we can get passed, defending motorists for sure. Not just if they feel they have to run, but if they feel they have to physically defend themselves, shoot them, physically beat them up. As strong of language as we can have. And number two, we need a mandatory minimum of 10 years in the slammer for people caught blocking motorists. And then 40-year mandatory for those blocking and engaging in aggravated assault. Or, you know what? They claim they don't like guns. Well, what could be more dangerous than people having guns while blocking motorists? That should also be a 40-year mandatory. Now, we've had Iowa, Florida, and Oklahoma, to my knowledge, are the states that passed at least legislation protecting motorists. I know in Florida, the DeSantis bill did have also some penalties on the motorists. Not my 10-year mandatory, but, but at least something. There's a couple other states that it's it's been maybe past one house, Texas, Missouri, I think Montana maybe. This is something that is going to be a top, top priority. But more fundamentally, whatever we do on the criminal justice side, where are the police? Well, Daniel, you can't blame the police. You can't blame them. You know, they get punished. Okay, so then just hands off both directions. 
but they're not hands-off when it comes to our people. If you are a cop that sits back with BLM and then goes after our people for self-defense, maybe you need a little bit more BLM in your life. You're worse than anyone. I don't categorically condemn or praise any one profession just categorically based on your association. There are bad cops. And that's why more, again, more foundationally, to zoom out even further, this is why I am all, and I'm dead serious, I am for abolishing the police at this point. Because then it would reach a culmination. Garth Gaylord. So everyone saw in Calgary, um, the pastor uh, Pulowski being manhandled on a street, arrested for inciting people to come to church during a COVID lockdown. And people are like, okay, that's Canada. Well, folks, Alberta was the most conservative province of Canada. You know, in most things, Alberta is a lot more conservative or has been than certainly blue America. But we need not speculate. This essentially is happening in America all the time. Garth Gaylord, citizen in um, Idaho, he was arrested and held in contempt for court for trying to show up to court without a mask. He was charged and forced to come to court, and then he's forced to wear a mask. You have a right to stand before a judge, unrestrained, that you have to have your mouth and nose covered. So aside from all the other rights that it violates, we're now violating that, that a judge could just say that? Well, they offered him Zoom. Yeah, but you have the right to be there in person. Made him wear a mask. And he tried to come in. Police just threw him to the ground. Okay, this is uh, Idaho, whatever. Boise, Idaho, Ada County Police. This is where we are, folks, in this country. So if the police are only going to be good to basically enforce BLM and enforce COVID fascism, screw them. Which leads me to my main point today. And that is, we need to adopt our own Cloward Piven strategy. Basically, this was in 1966. These were two sociologists, left-wing political activists, Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Piven. And, you know, back then, in 1966, we did not really have much of a welfare state at a federal level. That's when it was starting, during LBJ's tenure. And the way they figured they would do it is, they like, like, like what I'm advocating is, to make things so bad is when you feel like you're losing politically. You want something from the other side. You can't get it. You take the results of their policies and you jujitsu it to make it even worse. To force a culmination. And basically this had to do with welfare benefits. And they wanted to have welfare enrollment strain the local budgets to such a point that it would precipitate a crisis and force the federal government to get involved and create a federal welfare state. That was the base basis of their strategy. And to me, the left has been pushing so, so hard that we've had so many opportunities to push this on so many issues. 
But we don't because we have this phony conservative movement that gets involved just enough to ensure that we can't culminate this resolution by at least taking the natural progression of the things that the other side causes and making them force a crisis moment that we have to, you know, because sometimes it's out of that crisis moment that you have a better result than even before. I've said this all the time. It's like analogous to someone who's choking. And you reach a point where it's like, you're not going to spit that up. It's not going to come up. So then the best thing is to go the other way. Just embrace it and swallow it down. That's how most things are in life. It's not a spectrum. It's a circle. It comes around. It's like, because most things in life, it gets so bad that it gets better. Things are darkest before the sunrise. The dark clouds give birth to the bluest of skies. There's a lot of spirituality to that. There's a lot of references in the Bible to that, in Proverbs and Psalms. And basically, the problem we've had in the 80s, 90s, you know, into maybe the early 2000s, is that it was, again, it was the slow boil in the water. The left was too gradual. But now they're just uninhibited, and they're so nuts. But we don't have a rebellion because the Republicans help them do it in a way that's it's not gradual, but people don't realize it. Republicans become the fake punching bag, and then the conservative movement perfectly misdirects people's attention right when we could, you know, uh, fight back. Like, oh, no, don't abolish the police. No. Jiu-jitsu that energy. A, the crime's going to get insane for people. B, we would, those of us with the guns, will defend ourselves. Now we have the worst of all. This is a cloward piven strategy we need to adopt with abolishing the police, especially the urban police. I got thinking about this because uh, one of our listeners in the Netherlands, I believe he's an American expat, sent me a very thoughtful email about the whole tranny stuff. And he reminded me of, um, you know, this whole Cloward-Piven strategy. And the point he made, he was saying this about the tranny agenda. The threshold needed to become recognized as transgender is extremely low in many states, right? You don't even have to cut your balls off. So if a large enough number of normal men were to suddenly call themselves transgender and demand the preferential rights that accompany such a status, we could possibly force the other side to retreat. And I thought that was an important point. And he, he started talking about having large numbers pass through a Walmart. And that's what we need to do. You know, I'm sorry, I cut my statement off there. Pass through without a mask. There's power in numbers. But we need to first take what they're doing like a tug of war and let them fly. Use their own energy against them. I don't have this thought fully developed, but this is the strategy that we need to employ on every issue. Do what they do. You know, another example of this, um, someone sent me a story. Actually, two people sent, sent this to me. This is going around where there is this Jewish summer camp somewhere in the mountains in upstate New York. 
where they're planning, I guess they're planning a camp in the upcoming summer, and they're announcing that they're banning all campers and staff from masks and the vaccine. It's kind of a survivalist camp or something. And I'm thinking, heck, you know, that's what we need to start doing. It's extremely harm, harm, I mean, the mask for sure, it spreads bacteria, if not the actual virus. But more importantly, it spreads psychosis. It's a Frankenstein costume that further harms the mental health of our children. And the vaccines, I don't know, but there are questions about viral shedding from mRNA. I'm not saying I'm not convinced of it yet, but the science is there more than the science of what they're shoving on us. So screw it. We don't want people with the vaccines around. And another example, I'll just give you one more example before we move on. But is the court system. For years, they have destroyed this country because of the court system. Without a political fight, without having to obtain majority support, win elections, They've transformed this country and then the things that they were able to do through political branches and through elections were only built off stuff that they would have never been able to do that that were initiated by the federal courts. And yet Republicans are like, so, so finally Democrats come along and they say, hey, we need to basically destroy the court system. And Republicans are like, no, no, you're destroying the beautiful independent courts. Let them do it. And judicial supremacism, you're right. You think we have a conservative Supreme Court? You're right. You don't have to take that as the final word, nor will we take opinions as the final word either, starting now in our red states. All of these things in totality will force that inflection moment that we need where we in some way are forced to divide up and self-separate and have some version of a two-state solution rather than continuing along the same path of being a one-state, two-tiered justice system where we are persecuted like hell with no recourse, where we continue to choke without relief, without spitting it up, but without swallowing it either. It's kind of a deep thought, but it's something I do plan on developing more and more. Now, to go back to the crime issue for today, talking about the police, I want to share some more stories with you. In Irvine, California, there was this murderer who was let out. Um, well, he, he was beat up his wife. And I happened to know one of the officers involved. This was in California, Orange County, which, boy, you want to talk about social transformation. Wow, what has happened to that county is unbelievable. According to the census, 40% of homes there no longer speak English at home. That used to be the most conservative county in America, Reagan country. But anyway, the cop, you know, who, who was on the scene there, Knew this man was trouble. He was let out without bail. He went straight there and murdered his wife. He's now being held on 1.1 million bail. 
So there's a story there. Then we have another story here in St. Paul, which has become a dumpster fire, just like the Twin City, Minneapolis. A murder charge has been uh, been filed in Ramsey County District Court against 29-year-old Marlon Vincent Walker. He's been charged with unintentional second-degree murder in connection to the shooting death of Tyra C. Harris on April 25th. Walker was arrested outside of Richfield Hotel. According to a criminal complaint, Walker backed a Ford Fusion to a parking lot spot. He parked next to a Mercedes, which was being driven by Harris. After parking, Walker is seen in surveillance video getting out of his car, approaching the car, at which point Harris opened his door and a struggle ensued. During the struggle, a muzzle flash can be seen. Harrison gets out of his car and continues to struggle with Walker. Um, and basically, police responded and found Harris on his hands and knees, suffering from a gunshot wound to the stomach. Uh, Harris went to the hospital, didn't survive. He was killed. Um, and basically, here's the story. Who was this guy? Walker has three prior felony convictions for theft and robbery charges, and he has a pending trial for an aggravated robbery where he's accused of pistol-whipping a victim. He's out. Almost every murder in this country, okay? Everyone is committed by one of these guys that under any normal circumstance, he would be locked up. That is the dirty little secret of all of this. When you look at each city, murder up 40%, 20%, 60%, whatever it is, New Orleans, Atlanta, you know, St. Louis, anywhere you go, almost there's almost not a major city where crime has not skyrocketed, many of them to record levels. All of it's avoidable. And you know a dirty little secret? My friend Nathan, my data, crime data guy, sent me. And I'm having him look up for other cities. You you could do this for me too if you want to research um, the police reports on homicides. They usually have statistics on the police or sheriffs or, uh, you know, city website. If you look at the number of murders for the first four months in St. Louis, there were only four. Four murder victims who were not black. Think about that. It was only like 54, I think, so far. First third of the year. 50 out of 54 were black. 50 out of 54 were black. This is the big lie nobody talks about. And Republicans don't run on that. That is the result of this jailbreak. Now, guess what? Incidentally, I believe all but three of the known suspects are black. So all of them were black except for two were Hispanic and one, one in the entire city of St. Louis for the first four months of this year was white. Think about that. Again, the police have already been abolished. That's the joke. You know, in the past, if I would have said, you know what? Ah, you know, I want to just beat these 
bad guys up. I want to kill the the robbers and murderers. Let's just abolish the police. I would have said in the past, look, you know, imagine what would happen if you did that. You can't have that. Well, we don't have to imagine it. It is happening. It's happened already. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you this. I know it's a novel thought. But the only purpose they could serve at this point is enforcing the sadistic agenda of the other side against us, whether it's COVID fascism or whether it's BLM itself. Not only not fighting them, but actually harming us. Locking us up. But again, we don't have candidates running on this. We don't have an effort to recruit people and have Trump endorse. They're focusing on Bruce Jenner. And you know what's funny? After they had this, oh, he put out, that's amazing. He put out such an amazing video. All these transgender conservatives out there praising him. And then it turns out, he says over the weekend in an interview, that he's for a pathway to citizenship for illegals. Whoops, I guess that bubble was popped. Daniel, it's worth having um, a tranny, a uh, mentally ill guy, because she's going to be really tough on the border and MAGA. Yeah, 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 of course. Someone who's mentally ill will be really amazing. I'm sure he's going to be good on crime, too. Yeah, I'm sure, sure, he's going to run on crime in California. That's the thing. When do you ever hear anyone run on crime? Very few people. And this is the problem. And, you know, those of you who could help me, send me if you have ideas on crime that are smart and could be crafted into legislative ideas. I'm looking for that. Or, you know, victims of crime. I want to start doing shows with victims of crime. It's People don't understand the insanity of our system. And when I say the insanity of our system, I mean before the modern jailbreak movement really took off the last decade. You know, I was doing some research over the weekend, over the past week, to just try to look at some of the some of the laws we did pass recently, ballot initiatives, Megan's Law. So there's one called Karen's Law. And um, basically, it was this woman out, I, I think, in Philadelphia or near Philadelphia, mid-90s. Um, she was just a girl, maybe 16, 17 and this ex-boyfriend of hers who was psychotic uh, got into her home when she was there alone and her and her parents were out and choked her unconscious, then raped her, and then stabbed her all around her heart, but miraculously missed the heart, but left her for dead. And 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 the point is he he was obsessed with her. Uh, the cops, even when they caught the guy eventually, he was clutching a bloodstained picture of her. And somehow she survived and lived. But the point is, at the end of the day, she didn't die. So it wasn't murder. So he waived his right to a trial, but he was never charged with it. He wasn't convicted on attempted murder. It was a plea deal or the equivalent of a plea deal, I guess, on the rape and aggravated assault. Now, folks, just between us, a story like this, what do you think the guy should get? To me, I think this is an example of the limited cases that I believe deserve um, the death penalty, even if the person didn't die. 
to me, I believe either a brutal rape or some of these like, you know, these like knockout beatdowns where you have 10 people surround someone and beat them and leave them like, you know, disabled, but maybe they don't die. I believe in the death penalty. Something like this, this case should have gotten the death penalty at a minimum life without parole. He got 50 to 40 years, 50 to 40 years. So basically what she had passed a couple years ago in the Pennsylvania legislature was Karen's law because the problem was, and people don't realize this, once you have this beginning, let's say it happened something like in 95, and let's say in 2010 he was eligible for parole. Every year she has to come before a court and be re-victimized with, you know, terrified that the guy is going to come out And mind you, the whole underlying crime was he was obsessed with her. So it's not like, okay, a guy commits a random crime, random victimization. Like, we know exactly where... Oh, and I missed the story. He was, for years, maybe to to this day, and somehow somehow that's never put an end to, sending her letters, um, continuing to, to do that. So she would have to deal with this every freaking year. Could you imagine someone like that going through that? And this is true across the system. Rape victims, assault victims, murder victims, they have to go through it again and again and again. Now, typically, in the most gruesome cases like this, they go for the upper bounds. They don't don't let the guy out, especially if the victim comes forward. But they shouldn't have to. But number one... Nowadays, we've reached the point in our country you can't assume the victim coming forward is gonna is gonna help. They'll let the guy out. So it was a very even that was a very modest bill. Just like look, if the parole board rules the guy still needs to be locked up, then he gets automatically three years. It's not like another year he could come back before them. You get three years until he could petition again and you have another hearing. Very modest. Um. But this is going to happen again. And remember, he did this to her when she was 16. So if you just do the math there, the guy, he was a few years older. So if you say 40 years, maybe he'll be 60? He'll be 60 when he gets out. I mean, and that's, you know, that's the latest. It could be any, any, any time. Within the next 15 years. There are so many cases of this. Their stories never get told. We have an entire conservative movement and Republican Party that won't run on this, campaign on this, craft legislation on it, movements on this. It's utterly insane. And mind you, the guy was older than her, so he was an adult. If If you would have had a 16, 17-year-old do this to a girl, God knows what he would have gotten. Two years? Whatever. This This is the system we have. And there is nobody speaking to this. In Baltimore, my home city, they just arrested 29 suspect homicide suspects. Most of them were repeat offenders. Something really stuck out to me 
from the WBEL article here, the suspects range in age from 14 to 48. 14 to 48. I bet a good number of them were 14 to 18. Nothing happens to them. Why am I the only voice for this? I don't know what it is, but I can no longer be the only voice. So again, you know, when we set up these groups and, you know, we're starting a couple teams, I'm working with South Carolina now. You can always email me, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. If you think you are up for being a team leader, you do have to, you know, be smart on politics. Know, know how to organize, be very organized, have the time. Retirees are especially helpful in this case. And this is going to be your life's project. Like I said, I'm going to allow you guys to do what you want. This is not, I'm not going to control everything. You guys feel on the ground what issues you want to deal with. I'll recommend some ideas. But one of the things I'm going to mandate is that we have a sub-team, subcommittee in each team dedicated to the crime issue and victims of crime and pushing in the legislatures some of these ideas. This is utterly insane. Now, folks, as always, I go, you know, through the whole show. I didn't get to any of the crazy stuff on COVID. Um, we now have basically the WHO admitting it's all aerosols. Six feet doesn't work, but they will not disavow masks, even though it proves that it's the little guys that get out because those are the only ones that can go far. By definition, this is the law of physics. The only molecules that can go farther than six feet are the ones that are tiny enough to suspend. Those are the ones that get through a mask. Those are everything. Plosive energy. So we got that. Um, And we have a lot more to cover this week. I am going to try to get a little bit more to immigration. I'm going to try to have Dr. Peter McCullough on. More news. There's tons of news on early treatments, tons of studies coming out on ivermectin, Mexico City. It's working like a charm. Our government continues to engage in genocide by blocking uh, the ability to treat much less information disseminated on this. But again, we will continue to do that, and I will continue to be a voice for victims of crime. If you know any stories or any people want to come on the show... Again, I'm not looking to be an ambulance chaser. But at some point, we got to do this. We can't just talk about data. You need emotional stories because that's all the other side does. And they leave you thinking like there's white civilians and white police just killing blacks. And it's like, no, actually, it's the opposite. Mainly blacks killing blacks. But it is shocking to me that we have such a crime problem and yet there's no movement to even fight it. But part of that is because the conservative movement redirects our energy where it would naturally rise up. Cloward Piven. If things are getting bad, make them bad enough to force the resolution we think we can get. Start thinking about how we can use this on many other issues. I gave you a couple of examples, but this is a thought process we will develop. This is why this is one of the fastest-growing shows on politics in general, certainly on the right. 
but it, that's because it is independent, right? Independent conservative. Both parties are the problem. That's why I need you guys to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. We are just getting started on this new week and having a good time while we're doing it. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.